My name is Andrew Gomison, and as always, it is my privilege to be your host every single Wednesday for the Speaking for Him podcast. It's so great to be back behind the microphone with you all, especially since I was not able to do the Culture Watch podcast this week, but I will be getting back at that this coming Monday, so stay tuned. For those who may be wondering, um, my brother Bartholomew and I took a trip to Wisconsin this past weekend, and it was a blessing. I was really fortunate to meet one of my brother's friends who has been a blessing to him through an online men's group, and we had some adventure along the way. We took the express ferry from Muskegon, Michigan to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I was a little freaked out, to be honest, when I first got on board, and there were a couple times when I was scared throughout the journey, but for the most part, I was able to stay even keeled, and I even got a little bit of enjoyment out of the experience. So then we spent Saturday afternoon and Sunday the majority of the day with uh, my brother's friend Eric, who I guess I would now consider my friend, and we had some great conversations. We saw just a little bit of the University of Wisconsin campus in Madison. We saw the Wisconsin State Capitol. Uh, we saw an Air Venture Museum, uh, and uh, we went to a nice church that was in an older building, so it required my push chair. So kudos to my brother Bartholomew for having the foresight to bring that thing, and I was just glad that the church was as short as it was because my push wheelchair is not that comfortable. But anyway, all told, it was a wonderful trip, and then on the way back, my brother and I drove the whole way back, so we had some great conversations on the road and enjoyed some chocolate in Eric's hometown of Wapan, Wisconsin, before we took off and enjoyed a restaurant in South Haven called The Taste. And BJ and I were reflecting on the fact that it's kind of become a mini tradition, and by that I mean it's happened twice, that we actually stopped in South Haven to eat on our way home from a big trip, the last one being Nashville in May. So that's the update regarding the trip and why Culture Watch did not happen this week. Thank you for your continued support. Please continue to pray for myself and also for Bartholomew. Uh, Bartholomew is a big asset in my ministry, and I definitely want him to continue to be able to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, and I'm thankful to meet a part of his support system through this trip. Well, today on the show, we are going to talk about the new movie, Big George Foreman. This movie was in theaters earlier this year and recently hit Netflix, and so I was able to watch it and enjoy it, and I have some thoughts for you as we unfold this review, but before we do that, let's listen to the trailer for Big George Foreman. Listen to me, George. You got a punch like I've never seen. But in every battle, the greatest foe that we will combat isn't here. 
live one way your whole life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. George should change his name from poor man to poor man. <laughs> hurt. is the new heavyweight champion of the world. Where's all that rage coming from? Don't have any rage. And it becomes all you know. Let's thank God for the food, y'all. I bought the food, mama. George Foreman ain't no new champ. He is the new chump. We gonna get it on because we don't get along. Foreman goes down! Who said that? You ain't said nothing, George. Your heart stopped. We thought he was dead. I was. I'm done. I'm not going to box anymore. Do you know what you're walking away from, sir? I want to spread the word of God and what I saw. How's being a preacher going for you? It's hard. Harder than getting punched in the face. Sometimes it feels about the same. Hey, fella. Come on and enjoy yourself. Power company said we never paid the bill. Really? There's only two things I know how to do. That's box and preach. And preach you won't pay the bills. You made me something once, Doc. You can do it again. It is my destiny to win the heavyweight championship belt again. Last time they saw me, I looked like Superman. So now you look like the Michelin Man. This ain't no beauty contest. Michael Moore. He's 26 and unstoppable. How can you beat that man? Foreman is considered an old man in this young man's game. It's now. It's never. Mr. Foreman, that funny little grill deal you signed is starting to generate some substantial checks. Really? Now I'm just surprised it shows a big old fat guy like me to sell a beer to help people get lean. (laughs) So there you have the trailer for Big George Foreman. There's a couple of things I'd like to say off the top. First of all, I was surprised that this had the same director as The Hate You Give. Now, I know that some people may like The Hate You Give, so I don't want to dwell too much on it, but I remember that when The Hate You Give became very popular, there was pressure to put it into the Potter's House library. But it was riddled with language, and the librarian and myself, upon conferring about that particular title, decided, at least at that point, that it didn't have a place there. We wanted to make sure that the books that were in the library were uplifting and were great as far as edifying the young people that were at school. So I was a little taken aback to realize that this is the same director. That being said, this was executive produced by George Foreman himself, so he was very involved in the project. And so from that vantage point, it was a blessing. Now I'll dig a little further in in just a few moments, but first I want to share with you the quote of the day. (laughs) 
Our quote of the day today is from the movie, and it's after George collapses in the locker room and has a near-death experience, which leads him to trust Jesus Christ and to make a change in his life. And he says, at that time, Jesus Christ is alive in me. And I couldn't help but think about the Apostle Paul when he was talking about his testimony in Galatians and said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That is a a slight paraphrase, but the basic idea of what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 2 is, I no longer have the life I once lived. Instead, I live for Jesus Christ. And I really thought that was really neat how they drew the parallel. In the first half of the movie, George is a very angry person, and it gets him in trouble on numerous occasions. The first such occasion that we see on screen is him getting in a fight in the schoolyard when a kid mocks the fact that he doesn't have a lunch because his mother is poor and she's trying to do her best by her children. But she never loses faith in God, and she encourages her kids to trust God. And there's a real heartbreaking scene toward the beginning of the movie where she's splitting a burger among, I think it's four kids. I could be wrong. It could be five. Uh, but there's a number of kids, and she splits the burger with them all, and she tells them before they eat their sliver of burger to thank God. And so God is an ever-present part of his childhood, and his mother never loses faith that he will one day turn to God, even though he resists that early on. And I think what we see in this review is the change that God can make. Now, I would hasten to add that God does not make us perfect immediately, because you can look at certain other aspects of George Foreman's life and say, well, he definitely didn't have it all together. He ended up being married a total of five times. However, I think it is significant that his fifth and current wife has been with him almost 40 years. So after several really short-term marriages, he did settle down and find the one that made his life worth living and someone that he could serve the Lord with. So that is a plus and a positive. Some of the people that starred in this movie were Chris Davis as George Foreman, and Kai Rollins as young George. I thought that both of these actors gave stellar performances, and I really appreciate the work that they obviously put in. Jasmine Matthews was Mary Joan, who is George's current wife and the one that he spent the most time with in the movie. In the movie, they skipped over some of his relationship drama and showed only two wives instead of five. And the first one that they showed, they changed her first name. Not sure why they did that. I will give my usual disclaimer when it comes to profiling and watching uh, biopics is that you will find in your research 
that there are usually many things that they tweak at least a little bit in order to make it more cinematic. Now you all know how I feel about that and how I'm not a huge fan of it, but one that you really need to be aware of is that his roommate in the job corps was a completely made-up character, and so the whole arc related to this character was not the way that it's presented in the movie in real life because this character didn't even exist. And I really wish that filmmakers would do a better job of saying, you know what, we're not going to put something major into a movie that isn't part of the story, especially if it's a biopic. I have said this before, and I'll say it again. I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast or just in private conversation, but I always said that if somebody ever makes a biopic of my life, and I always joke that Chris Pratt is in the driver's seat as far as playing me, I don't know if that will ever happen, but I always say if you want to make a movie of my life, fine. And I understand that you can't include my whole life in a two hour period. However, I think that every scene in the movie should be from my life. So in other words, you can't show my whole life in a movie, but the parts of my life that are in the movie should be true to my life. And I really do believe that and I stand behind that and there was a lot of excitement in George Foreman's life without embellishing these things. But I really like this movie because, like I said, it shows the contrast between darkness and light. Now, the first thing I want to mention is that George Foreman, as I said, was an angry young man. Fighting was his only answer to get through life. It's the only thing he knew So a gentleman who he met at Job Corps taught him boxing. He said, it's like the street fighting that you do, but with rules. And so that gave George some structure. And you see through this movie that George overcomes a lot. You know, it's easy to say this because he has a lot of money, but you never really see George succumb to the victim mentality after he discovers boxing and starts to get on a trajectory for life. And you really don't see that when you see him talk about his story. He really allowed God to change him. And as far as I know, he's still speaking out for God. And his primary reason to jump ahead a little bit in the story for coming out of retirement and going back into boxing was in fact to make sure that his youth center stayed funded because even though the character that supposedly stole his money in this film uh, did not actually exist, he did lose a lot of money because he was not uh, a natural money manager. And so he figured the best way to get his youth center back on track and make sure it didn't close, was to go back to what he knew, and that was boxing. So I really appreciate this story, and I appreciate how he worked through his difficulties to become a better person. That's really what the promise of America is about, is the idea that someone can work through difficulties and become better and rise above. And I wish there were more stars today that would take the time to say, you know what? I was in the streets. I was in poverty, but...
but now I have risen above that. And this is how you can be a better person by following my example. And I wish that that was a reality for so many other people um, that they would realize that they have potential as well. So I wanted to put that out there and uh, just uh, let you know right off the bat that I really feel like this is a story of triumph. George overcomes a lot. His mother never has a lot of money, uh, but she continues to be be a positive force in his life. She continues to encourage him to acknowledge God, even though that's the last thing on his mind. The other thing that is actually a positive that some people may see as a negative is that George is presented here as a flawed individual. It can be very easy to look at a movie like this and say, why are you putting some of this bad stuff in the beginning of the story? But really, what we're doing is just telling a story of someone's life. And if you really want to encourage people and you really want to teach them to overcome, then you have to be willing to honestly address the things that they need to overcome. And you see George flawed, as I said, as a youngster dealing with his anger. Then he learns boxing and he gets motivated to do the one thing that he is actually able to be successful at, and that is fighting. He trains and starts boxing on an amateur level. Then he goes to the Olympics, wins the gold medal, and has success there. And then he sets his sights on the heavyweight championship of the world. And there's that one point where he says, Mom, what does God have to do with anything? And she says, Please don't tell me that you have forgotten about God because God is very important in your life. And it's just a a really good reminder and a foreshadowing of the journey that George is going on in life. And I really like the way they dealt with that. So then we have the situation where George starts to get fame and money and it goes to his head as these things are wont to do sometimes and he becomes a not-so-good person. He gets married, and then shortly thereafter gets divorced because he gets involved in an extramarital affair. And while they didn't go into detail about it, there were probably many, um, or at least multiple, of those affairs. Uh, but he's learning. He's in a journey of, of growth, and he actually kind of gets hit over the head with this idea that he needs to surrender to the Jesus that his mom has been talking about for life. And I think even though I don't see in here a scene of his mom like praying at her bedside and crying out for George, I think the implied message is that she never gave up on the idea that George was going to trust God and do something major with his life as a result of it. So he has a near-death uh, experience at a point in his career where he's kind of near the top. He loses to Ali and struggles, and then he has this near-death experience, and he realizes that he needs to trust Jesus, and it totally changes his life, and he walks away from boxing for 10 years. Now, 
one thing that this movie embellishes is it kind of gives the implication that he does a full retirement. He never actually formally retired from boxing, but he put it on the shelf and said, I am going to serve God and preach the gospel. And we see him growing from getting guest appearances to preach to then starting a church and preaching the gospel faithfully until he realizes that he needs to get back into boxing if he wants to save the youth center and have money for his family. Because he said, as he says it, the only two things I know how to do are to box and preach and preaching doesn't pay the bills. I can testify that God is faithful and that he provides what I need when I need it. But I can also relate to George about not having as much money as I would like to have. And I definitely am still open to outside employment, even though at this time my primary focus is on my ministry and things related to that. So you see three main things that are positive Uh, about this film is that a mentor changes his life and it shows us how important it is for us to speak into other people's lives. And then you see how his mom supports him through it all. And you also see how Jesus changes his life. He's one way before he meets Jesus and then he's completely different another way. When he comes to Jesus, he's in a place where his manager and his trainer want to get him a rematch with Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali employed the rope-a-dope strategy to beat George Foreman. And what that means is that Muhammad just clung to the ropes and made it seem to George as if George was winning and just took a bunch of punches from George, tired him out, waited him out, and then when he was tired, came back with a vengeance and knocked him out. And um, he said that he fostered hate for Muhammad Ali after that. And so he goes to Muhammad Ali's house and asks forgiveness and wants reconciliation on a personal level. But he says, I don't want to box you because I have a new calling, and that is to preach for Jesus. I've found Jesus. And there's no mention of Muhammad Ali's Islam, but it's a really interesting discussion as he's able to share Jesus with Muhammad Ali. So what are some negatives from this film? Well, when you deal with the culture that he was in and the way that he let fame go to his head, you see drinking, you see women and all the things that come with fame. But I think it also does a good job of, of showing the emptiness of it. So I think that part is good. I think some of the negatives include this major subplot with this character that doesn't really exist in real life. I'm not sure why George allowed that in. Um, the movie still would have been powerful without it, uh, but it was a catalyst because it gave us someone to blame for George's misfortune, and it played nicely as a theatrical movie. I'm just a little disappointed that they threw that in there and I think it would have been fine without it. When we see George uh, coming out of retirement, we see a guy uh, that is extremely motivated. We see a guy that's extremely encouraged by his 
present wife, even though she really doesn't want him to get back into boxing. She understands that the youth center is important to him, and she understands that he needs to do what he needs to do to raise the money that he's lost. We see him doing a commercial, and we see him doing autograph signings before he finally decides to dust off the boxing gloves. And then his manager says, well, you really shocked me when you retired from boxing, and I want to know that you're taking this seriously. And it's revealed that his current weight is 315 pounds. He says, when you get down to 265, you call me, and I'll know that you're serious about getting back into boxing. And one interesting fact about this movie is they did not employ a fat suit. They actually filmed the first part of the movie and then took a six-week hiatus so that the actor could gain the weight necessary to be the middle-aged version of George Foreman. So I find that very interesting. And so he comes back after he's trained and lost some of the weight, and he starts to gain back his former dominance, and finally he gets to challenge Michael Moore for the heavyweight championship of the world, and he basically ends the movie by becoming the oldest champion in the heavyweight division ever at 45 years old. So as I look at this film, what do I see as the biggest lesson? Well, let me first of all tell you that I'm not a big boxing fan. I think it's weird to be a fan of a sport where the goal is to beat the tar out of an opponent. And I think that MMA even takes that up another notch. But that's another discussion for another time. Even in the context of boxing, though, I think one of the big lessons that can be taken from this film is that God will help you if you focus on him. I saw a brief clip from an interview that George Foreman did promoting the movie, and he even talked about how the motivation for his first run at a title was his anger, and his motivation for the second run at the title was to honor God and glorify Him. Now, as I said, you can debate whether boxing is the greatest forum for that, but I think it's kind of awesome that you can see the change in his personality and how when he does go to box, it's not about anger, it's just about beating the person and winning the fight. And it's a totally different demeanor from him, and he proves that it's possible. Because his his management team is initially like, well, you need to get your anger back. You need to be prepared to be that same angry beast that we knew you as before your retirement. And he shows that it can be done in a godly way. And that's kind of a neat thing. He also has the support of his wife, who says that she got a vision that he would win the heavyweight championship of the world and glorify God in it. And I really see from what I have read that that's how he has endeavored to live his life. Again, is he a perfect individual? No. Is he someone that I would look to as an example for marriage relationships? Obviously, with five wives, no, I would not. But I do think that God uses all kinds of flawed individuals to accomplish his goals that he has for the world and 
to bring him honor and glory. Because the bottom line is, if he didn't use flawed individuals, then he wouldn't be using me right now behind this microphone because I am about as flawed as they come. And yet he has said to me, you are worthy because of my son. And I really think that that is a story that resonates in this movie is that he had anger. He had skill in boxing, but he only had peace when he came to know the Lord Jesus. And I like the way that they showed it. They didn't shy away from his faith in this movie and uh, so I really appreciated the film, and he said, Jesus Christ changed my life. You know, a lot of people can talk about God, and they do in a general sense, but when you get specific, they don't really know what to say, and it doesn't really go very deep. But I really feel like there's a genuine Christian faith story here, and I hope that it encourages people in my audience, that God can do big things through us if we trust him. And so the question I have for you is, do you trust him? I would encourage you to watch this with your family on Netflix this week and maybe have a discussion about the different aspects of the story. Talk about the dangers of anger. Talk about the importance of mentors. Talk about the importance of praying mothers. And talk about the importance of the life change that God can make in someone's life. I think it's so important. Well, that leads me to the last order of business in this review, and that is to give it a one through five star rating. I would like to be able to give this a five star rating uh, because I thought it was well acted, well executed, very interesting, very intriguing. But because of some of the cinematic changes that were made from the real life story and because of uh, some of the content although it was real and kind of needed to be shown as a part of the story my final rating for this story is three and a half out of five stars and I still think there's merit I think it's worth watching but just be cautious when watching it with your children that there could be some things that come up that they will want to talk to you about. But sparking discussions is actually a really good thing. And so I think that this movie can be a good vehicle to help your children grow and to know what the right thing is when it comes to living a God-honoring life in so many areas. I think it's also important to realize that you can come out of poverty and not play the victim and to overcome and to give back to others. That was George's goal when he started the youth center and it should be yours and my goal as well to give back to others and to help them find the hope and love of Jesus Christ. Well, that's about all I have time for this week i hope that if you enjoyed this review you will share it with your family and friends if you watch this film please let me know what you thought of it if you want to send me a voicemail with your thoughts you can go to speakingforhim.blogspot.com click on the right hand side of the page and leave a voicemail there 
or you can go directly to speakpipe.com slash speaking for him. And if you give me your permission, I will share your voicemail on a future episode. Well, with that being said, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.